Breadcom Quezon City is uh, doing a series on the Gospel of Luke. So today, that's what we will uh, study from Luke chapter 4, beginning from verse 14 to chapter 5, verse 11. Partly, I have shared Luke 4, 1 to 11 last Sunday when I discussed about uh, the temptation. Why do we need this topic? God's kingdom shining upon world's growing darkness. There was a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 2 which says, Behold, darkness will cover, not just a certain place in the world, but darkness will cover the whole earth. And not just ordinary darkness, but the deep darkness. So nowadays, when we go to the different parts in our country, you know, we're starting to have this anxious feeling that we do not know really what's happening in the midst of those uh, sectors. In Matthew 24, verse 12, we learned that lawlessness will increase. And when lawlessness increases, most people's love will grow cold. What did Jesus mean by that? When the Apostle Paul expounded that verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul wrote, realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, what a contrast. I mentioned that before already. Lovers. People will be lovers, passionate. But their passion will be for self. Their passion will be for money. Their passion will be for pleasure. Not for God. Not for family. Not for the country. Yes, they will hold a form of godliness. Meaning... In the last days, many people will be religious. But the problem is, they deny the power of that religiosity. I do not want to paint a negative picture of the world, but that's it. Jesus, Paul, no wonder in Romans 8, it says, the whole creation is groaning. And even we who are Christians, are affected by the groaning world. But there is a good news in the midst of growing darkness. Isaiah prophesied also, Arise, shine, for your light has come. So in the midst of darkness covering the earth, the light of God, the glory of God, can rise upon that darkness. The Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear to you. And look at what will happen. Nations will come to your light. And we know from scriptures that that light has come already. In John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, said Jesus, will never walk in darkness. We don't have to be misled. We don't have to be confused. We don't have to be corrupted by the world if the light has come upon us. So how will our families, friends, and how will nations come to the light? And how will we, as reflectors of that light, we are called by Jesus, lights of the world, in Matthew 5, 14, 16. How can we shine? 
in the darkened world. You know, we are all situated in various sectors in the world. And even if there is darkness in that world, if we are there, there should be light upon them. How can that happen? When the light has come, in Matthew chapter 9.35, he was going through all the cities and all the villages. And what was Jesus doing? He was teaching in the synagogue, proclaiming something. Proclaiming something. We rarely hear the combination of these two words, the gospel of the kingdom. And while he was teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, there were healings of every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So the preoccupation of Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And before he left the world, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So from the time of Jesus until now, almost 2,000 years already, the end has not come. Why? Because the gospel of the kingdom has not been preached in all the nations. Yes, we have so much preachings going on, so much teachings going on. But what are we preaching? What are we talking about? Is it the good news about the kingdom or good news of something else? People are now focused with health, wealth, and uh, figures and appearances. But those things will flee. Those things will fade. But the kingdom will be eternal. So what are needed for that to happen? What is the role of Breadcom Quezon City to contribute to making that happen? Three things I will suggest this afternoon. Number one is we need to have the right kind of message. We should not only preach what we want to preach. We need to teach and preach the goodness of the kingdom. Second, we all need to have the right attitude about the kingdom. Because sometimes, you know, the kingdom of God has been relegated to theological discussion. And the third, we need messengers of the kingdom. Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. So let's talk about each one of them. What's the right message that the church needs to preach today? When Jesus started preaching in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, we read, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the district. Why was that? Because he was teaching. And when he was teaching, People love what he was preaching. Why was that? What made the teaching of Jesus different from Plato, different from Aristotle, and different from the Greek and Roman philosophers during those times? Because there were already teachers in those times. What made his message different? Let's look at the content of his message one by one. In Luke chapter 4, 16, when he came to Nazareth, where Jesus was brought up, he grew up in that place, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. What was he reading? He was reading the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and explained what is Isaiah all about. If we will have to spread the kingdom of God, our message should be very Bible-based. Actually, many churches are claiming about 
we are Bible-based, Bible-centered. But let me demonstrate to you what it means to be Bible-based. When Jesus was confronted by temptation, Jesus responded saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The temptations of the world is being met by the very word of God. Not by our intellectual um, abilities or shrewdness. Jesus was intelligent, but he would use the word of God to face and to overcome temptations. Matthew 21 verse 13. When he went to the church, Jesus had a high blood pressure. Why? Because what he saw in the temple was not what the temple was supposed to be. So again, he evaluated the temple according to the word of God. He said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a robber's den. So we too in Breadcom, we need from time to time to evaluate ourselves, our church, whether we are in line with what the Bible is saying about what God's people should be. And then even looking at the future, Jesus knew that the future would be bleak and dim concerning him. But he still said, you will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Jesus' life from the beginning to the middle to the end was heavily influenced by the very word of God. So our message should be based on the word of God. Number two, our message should be good news. In Luke chapter 4, 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, what? The gospel. And what is the gospel? Mabuting balita. Siguro mas, mas, mas magandang translation, masayang balita. Magandang balita. Para kangino. To the poor. To the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release. For whom? To the captives. Recovery of sight. To the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So when Christians are going to a certain place, when we are sharing the gospel, people should sense, people should hear, people should feel that there is something good, something goodness that they are being confronted with. But some Christians appear to be obnoxious. No? And the thing natin, we are scolding people. The gospel is goodness. You, the Greek word for gospel is you, angelo, angelos. You is good. That's where we get the word eulogy, good word. And angelo is message. So our message should be good news. Nowadays, there are contrasting messages. Those who are preaching good news are not really Bible-based. Those who are very Bible-based has no good news to preach. It's wrong. Our good news should be based on the Bible and it should really bring something beautiful. I came that you might have life and enjoy life abundantly. That's the message of Jesus. It's a good news. Look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. He knew people are worried, anxious. So he said in verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried. You know, sometimes when we are listening to preachers and to attending Bible study, the more we get worried. 
But look at Jesus. Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, what you will drink, as to what you will put on. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first that God rules over your life. And his standard of righteousness be your standard. And you know what will happen? All these things that you worry about will be added to you, will be given to you. Paul also mentioned that statement in Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be worried about anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So as people of God, when we come to someone who is worried, the result of our conversation should be peace, should be joy. Look at what Paul said in Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating. You know, I will, I will really encourage our care groups. It's okay to eat. I also eat. I love to eat. But if our eating has longer time than our Bible study, that's a problem. Many people will not come back because they can also eat in their homes. They can also eat in their restaurants. So I'm glad that when I was in Australia, people there, when they gather, they have already eaten. So they will just proceed with their, you know, prayer or their Bible studies. Because it really takes a long time to eat. The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. When God is reigning over our lives, what three things will happen? Wrong things will be made right. Messed up things will be at peace. And then people who are downtrodden, hurting, will find joy. If God is king, if Jesus is Lord. So our message is good news. When I speak to conferences, I always remind myself that I am a minister of the gospel. I'm a minister of goodness. So I need to be a bringer of a message that will give people hope, even in the midst of, you know, hopelessness. Number three characteristic of the message of Jesus it is not only Bible-based, it is not only gospel-focused or gospel-oriented. His message is relevant. When Jesus read the book of Isaiah and explained it, he began to say to them, what? Today. The gospel is relevant today. It was not just relevant in the past. It is not just relevant in the future. The good news is relevant even this very moment. When we hear the scriptures, when we hear the gospel, something will be accomplished. Something will be fulfilled. You know what Isaiah said? My word will not return to me empty. It will accomplish its purpose. So every person who will attend a Bible study, every person who will attend a worship service where God's word is proclaimed, should be expectant that something meaningful and relevant will be spoken to him. You know, when we are not expecting anything, then we will not receive anything. But when we have prayed for our service, when we have prayed for our Bible studies, that God will speak, then he will. He will. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is inspired by God. And because it is inspired by God, it is profitable. Other translation, it is useful. It has impact. It will make a difference. It will make you experience salvation. It will make you experience change of life. And it will give you success. Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3 says, 
take delight in the Lord, meditate on it day and night, and what will happen? You will be like a tree firmly planted along streams of water, bearing fruit in season. Leaves are always green. Whatever you do, prospers. So the scripture is profitable. The scripture is relevant, not only in one area of our lives, but in all areas of life. So that's the third characteristic of the message of the kingdom. The fourth, the message of Jesus was gracious. In Luke 4.22, all were speaking well of Jesus and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. Jesus' words were neither gloomy nor condemning. They were gracious. In Luke 24, verse 32, two depressed people were walking to Emmaus after Jesus Christ was crucified. And they were talking about what happened. Jesus joined them. They did not know it was Jesus. And then when they reached the house and Jesus left, Look at what they said. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Oh, I pray that our Bible studies will be like this. Bible-based, relevant, good news, gracious if people's hearts are burning within them even if they come from faraway places they will come because their hearts are touched their lives were affected oh I pray we will bring back that experiences in our small groups because nowadays it's hard to attend small groups with the traffic, people could hardly find an open schedule in their calendar. And then when they attend the Bible study or the fellowship, not much happens. Mas mabuti pang manood kay Cardo, sabi nila. Kahit mabagal, may nangyayari. Oh, I pray that there will be renewal of the message of the kingdom being spread out in churches. But the message of the kingdom can also be offensive. Elder Toydis kept on uh, repeating that statement that, you know, the gospel can make people who are distressed comfortable. And it can make those who are comfortable, uncomfortable. In Luke chapter 4.24, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you, in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three and six months, three years, six months, when a great famine came all over the world. And yet Elijah was not sent to them. Elijah was sent to the widow at Sidon. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. None of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when Jesus was saying that, all the people in the synagogue who were initially happy with what he was saying are now filled with rage. They were not only displeased, they were very angry. And you know what they did? They got up, drove Jesus out of the city, led him to the brow of the hill on which the city had been built, and they wanted to kill him. But Jesus passed through their midst, and he went his way. You know, truth can be very liberating if the, the truth will set us free. But sometimes when we are not ready to be set free, 
when we live in darkness, the truth will be very hurting. When the doctor tells you that you have cancer stage four, it is not liberating. It is hurting. But it has to be said. So our message, yes, is gracious, is relevant, but it has to be truthful to the point that people will be offended. So when the gospel is being preached, two things are happening. One group of people will find it gracious, they'll be praising. The other one, the other group, will find it very offensive. And they will be angry. Number six, the message of Jesus, the message of the kingdom, has authority. Has authority. That even demons will have to yield, will have to bow down to the message. So when Jesus was in a synagogue, there was a man possessed by spirit of an unclean demon. You know, demons like to attend church. Do you know that? And what do they do in church? I will leave that to you. <laughs> so he cried out with a loud voice. Let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Can you imagine? The demons know Jesus better than many religious Filipinos who do not believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they come out. So when we share the gospel in our office, in our home, we need to have that authority with us that what we are sharing is not just an ordinary message. It has power. You know, many of you are seeing the MMDA people in the intersections. When they raise their hands like that, what do you and I do? regardless of the brand of car that you are driving. What do you do when they do that? Why will you stop? If you are a doctor, if you are a general, if you are a lawyer, you will stop before this guy who is not as educated, as intelligent, and as rich as you are. No, but you have to stop. That guy may be ordinary, but he has authority of the state. And that's, what, that's the kind of people we are. Our message has authority from the king. And the last characteristic of the message of the kingdom, that message is liberating. When Jesus got up, he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon Peter. Now, Simon Peter has a, what? Mother-in-law. And many Catholics do not know that, that the first pope is married. Huh? Simon has a mother-in-law. And the mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. By the way, the, the writer is a medical doctor, Luke. So he does not only say he is sick. He said he has high fever. And they were asking Jesus to help her. So what did Jesus, Jesus do? Standing over her, he, he rebuked the fever and it left her. You know, the word of Jesus is liberating. You know, when people came to Jesus and said to him, Hey, the servant of the centurion is sick. Come and heal him. The centurion said, You know, you don't have to, you don't have to come. Just say the word. 
just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am commanding a group of soldiers. When I tell them to do something, they do it. And Jesus said, I have never seen such faith in Israel. You know, there are times we need to really put our faith in the message of the gospel. So we can experience the power of the gospel. Because if not, then the gospel will not be liberating for us. The truth can set people free. It is liberating. So that's the first requirement for the gospel of the kingdom to be preached. We need to have the right message. And I believe in my heart without any doubt that Breadcom has the right message. Now let's go to the second, second need for the gospel to be preached to the whole world. We need to have the right kind of attitude. In Luke 4.42, when they came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And look at what was happening. The mob, the crowds, were searching for him. You know, nowadays, we love the crowd, like the Romans. We do anything to gather the crowd. But Jesus left the crowd. So the crowd was searching for him. And they came to him and tried to what? To keep him from going away from them. They want Jesus to be with them, to be for them. But look at what Jesus said. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. You know, the tendency when a church has been started and growing is that we feel good about our church. And we stay and do things inside the church. And that's good because we have to. We need to care for one another. We have to see each other grow in the faith. But we should not be too comfortable that we are not going out anymore. We have become too lax. How can people call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? The people outside the church will not believe in Jesus if they will not hear him. And they will not hear Jesus if they, he will not tell them. The Apostle Paul said, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast. I am under compulsion. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. This is a church in Dublin, Ireland. How do you see the church? Is it a nice church? It is. It is. Now, when you go inside the church, this is what you will see. There is a bar in the middle. And at night time, this is what you will see. That the church is no longer a church. It has become a bar and a restaurant. And look at what is happening inside. It is a very busy, not church, but a very busy restaurant. This is a church in Colorado. Nice church. It must have been there for a long time. But when you look at the church in the evening, inside, it's a nightclub. Here is another church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Nice, very nice church, big church. But when you look at inside, it's also a bar. You know, sometimes we will really not believe that that can happen. In my last trip to Sydney, we were brought to a place called Windsor. And there is this nice church. And outside the church, it says the church bar. 
Well, I thought they were just trying to be relevant, to be contemporary. So we went inside. And since it is lunchtime, we ate inside. So this is what you will find inside. You know, that orange, reddish orange thing is the center of the church before. If you enter that, this is what you will see. Really a bar. And what are they serving? Well, aside from food, they are serving wine. And look at the name of the wine they serve. Seven deadly sins. Cocktails. And they have envy, they have pride. Can you imagine that that can happen? I thought these are isolated cases. Until I heard in Sydney from our host that there are many churches who are selling their property. Why? Because the churches are not growing. If you have only 10 members of the church, how can you maintain a church, the cooling, the heating system, and paying the pastor? So what they will do is they will sell the church. And who will buy the real estate? The bars, the restaurants, the hotels. I will challenge you. You go to Google and Google and say, church that has become bar, at least others have become hotels and they are very nice. But to, have, to become bars, what has happened? Well, because when the church people are no longer going out, no longer preaching the gospel, and the church is shrinking, what will happen? They cannot maintain the facilities, and they have to sell out. And that's what happens. So really, the, obeying the Great Commission is not just you know, an obligation if we don't do it, our very existence as a church will be threatened, will be jeopardized. And I hope it will not happen to Breadcom. When we are not growing, we are in danger of you know, going down. Number three. So what are needed? Number one is the right message. Number two is the right attitude. There is urgency, there is necessity in going out and preaching the gospel. And number three, we need to have the right messengers. And immediately many of us will say, no, no, I'm not that kind of person. I, I'm just ordinary. Well, the first messengers of the gospel were ordinary people. In Luke 5 verse 1, it happened while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. And who were there? Fishermen. Washing their nets. These ordinary people will be the first messengers of the gospel. They were not doctors. They were not Pharisees. They were not scribes. They were ordinary fishermen. And they were not only ordinary. They experienced setbacks even in their own profession. When Jesus got into one of the boats, he asked Peter to put out a little way. He sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, oh, put out into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. Look at the statement of Simon. Master, we work hard all night and caught nothing. Veteran fishermen not catching any fish. So you don't have to be a successful person to be able to share the gospel. I approached one Christian in 1991. I said to her, she's a lady, have you given your testimony in church? And she said to me, no, pastor. Why not? Well, my life is not yet, you know, is not yet uh, stable, pastor. Uh, but, but rest assured, when, when my problems are fixed, when my, my life is okay, I will volunteer to get testimony. It's already 28 years she has not given her testimony. If you are waiting to be perfect, if you are waiting to be right, before you share your testimony, then Satan will see to it that your life will remain messed up.
so you don't have a message to share. But these people whom Jesus will use were ordinary people experiencing even failures in their own personal lives. Number three, characteristic of these people. And this is the amazing thing about this first batch of followers of Jesus. You can call them impulsive, you can call them stupid, you can call them uh, weak, but they have a characteristic that is fit to become messengers of the kingdom. Simon said, Master, we work hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say. I will let down the net. Meaning these people were obedient to the king. They would rather listen to the voice of the king than their own feelings, than their own emotions. I will do as you say, and I will let down the nets. And what happened? When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. Their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came, and look at what happened. Those two empty boats are now both filled up to the overflow. When we listen to the voice of the king, who is the king over all the heavens and the earth, things like this will happen. Can you imagine that evening? Jesus came to the house of Simon, and he, was, he healed the mother-in-law uh, mother of Simon. But Simon still left. Maybe he said, I have to leave because I need to take care of my family. So he left while Jesus was staying with the mother-in-law. The whole night, they were throwing the nets, pulling back the nets, no catch. Throw the net again, pull it back, no catch. Throw the net again, pull back, no catch. But when Jesus said to them, throw down the nets, when they did it, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. Not just one boat, but both boats. They experienced the lordship of Jesus. Not only over demons, not only over sickness, but even in the area of provision, even in the area of business. And look how they were affected. Simon Peter, when he saw that, what happened? He fell down at Jesus' feet and he said, so sometimes it's good that some of our prayers are not being answered. Look at his prayer. What was his prayer? Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Of course, that prayer was rhetoric. He was saying, go away. You know, I don't deserve you. He was so embarrassed. Because when he came to the house of, of uh, when Jesus came to the house of Peter's mother-in-law, Peter did not pay him attention. But now he was saying, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That was the experience of Jacob. That was the experience of Isaiah. Woe to me, I am a sinful man. And why did they come to that point of conviction? Look at chapter 5, verse 9. Amazement seized him, all of his companions as well, because of the catch of fish that they had taken. You know, God sometimes have to bless us so abundantly for us to know that he is able to take care of those things that we worry about so much. So he has regretted that he left that night to fish instead of listening to Jesus. The four characteristics of these men. Jesus said to Simon, who said to him, get away, I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, do not fear, Simon. From now on, you will be catching 
men. And look at their response. They brought their boats to the land and in the translation of Matthew and Mark, they settled down and then they left everything and followed him. Why did they leave everything? Because they're wrong? Because they are not important? They left everything because they found someone, another cause, more important. Remember the parables of the kingdom? When a farmer, you know, found pearl, he sold everything he's got and bought the field. That's the experience of people who have discovered the kingdom, who has discovered the kingship of Jesus. They're willing to make everything secondary and Jesus primary. Why would they do that? Again, let me read the text I read before. Many people are worried about so many things. And Jesus said, the Gentiles, those who do not have God, those who do not believe in God, they eagerly seek all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things you worry about will be provided you. So God knows our needs. And God wants to meet our needs. But there are times God has prioritized the needs of other people, the needs of the poor, the needs of the oppressed, the needs of those who are captives. Tayo, ang pangangailangan lang natin ay yung ibabayad sa eskwelahan yung pang-grocery. Pang Importante yun. Pero yung iba, talagang walang-wala. At yung iba naman, mayaman sila, pero poor sila sa ibang bagay sa buhay nila. They can buy cars, they can buy real estate, but they have poverty inside. And they also need to hear the gospel. And how will they hear if we will not go to them and tell them? There was a saying, either you are a mission field or you are a missionary. And I like to add a statement there. Every born-again believer, without exception, is an ambassador of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.16, and we need to apply this to ourselves and when we look at other people. From now on, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Why is that important? Kasi ganito tayo eh. Ah, mayaman na yan, hindi niya na kailangan ng gospel. Ah, sikat na yan, hindi niya na kailangan si Jesus. No, we need to change the way we look at people. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Sa, sa halip na kaingitan natin, yung mga matataas na tao, siguro kailangan kaawaan na natin sila. Kasi kahit ang taas nila at kahit ang yaman nila, kung wala si Jesus sa buhay nila, they will not only end up in hell, their riches and what they have accumulated will testify against them. At yung mahirap, huwag natin tingnan na mahirap lang yan eh. Hindi dapat pag-aksayan ng oras. You know what? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in the spirit. Mas malapit ang Panginoon doon sa mga na-oppress, doon sa mga na-depress. So meron tayong opportunity 
Not to judge them. Not to say, pambihira, edukado ka pa naman, ba't ka nadidepress? You know, mali yun eh. It's an opportunity for us to share to those people about the good news of the gospel. Pero pastor, hindi naman ata ako ambassador. The passage we read is 2 Corinthians 5:17. Look at 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. If you are born again, God gave you, God gave me what? A ministry. And what kind of ministry? A ministry of reconciliation. Pagbabati ng tao sa Diyos at pagbabati ng tao sa bawat isa. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. The angels will not make appeal to people to believe in Jesus. Kasi that ministry is given to you and me already. We are the ones who need to beg people to be reconciled to God on behalf of Christ. So maganda sana, bago tayo magkaroon ng ibang ministry, magandang magturo ng Sunday School, magandang kumanta dito, praise and worship, magandang maging deacon, magandang maging elder. Pero yon mga later ministries na yun eh. The primary ministry that God is calling all of us is number one, worship. We are all worshipers. And number two, witnessing. We are all ambassadors for Jesus. So Satan is trying to deceive us into thinking, pag tayo ay nagwo-worship, when we are giving our tithes and offerings, pwede na yon. No, 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 no. We are ambassadors for Christ. He has placed you in your workplace because the pastors cannot go there. The missionaries will not go there. But you are there already. So you have the ministry to share the good news to people who are around you, both in word and in deed. And we pray that when people look at you, they will see the gospel in you and they will begin to ask questions like, how come this is your attitude in your work? And then you can share the gospel. But when you are always sharing to them the gospel, but your work ethic is bad, if your work ethic is lousy, if your work ethic is substandard, how can they be attracted to the gospel? So whether you are a teacher, whether you are an employee, employer, whether you are an executive or, you know, rank and file, it does not matter in the sharing of the gospel. You are still an ambassador. You represent Jesus in that office. And by your word, by your work, people need to see the gospel so that when they go to hell, and they say, God, why am I in hell? Then God can say to that person, well, I sent you my ambassador, but you did not pay attention to him. He is even in the next table with you. So let me end. How can the kingdom of God, how can righteousness, how can joy, how can peace, how can power enter into the realm of darkness? One, we need the right message of the kingdom. So we need to evaluate if our messages are Bible-based, gospel-focused, whether our message are still relevant, whether our message are gracious, whether they are truthful to be offensive, whether they are authoritative, or whether they are liberating. Second, we need to have the right attitude. And the right attitude is, God placed me here in my place of work to be his light in the darkness, to be his salt to the people around me. And I need to take every opportunity to manifest and to share the good news about Jesus. And the third, we need to be the right messengers. Yes, we are ordinary. 
we will have failures, but when we experience the Lordship of Jesus, and when we prioritize the cause of Jesus, then great things can happen. Well, after this sermon, I'm anticipating, some will still say, ah, Pastor, nice message, but I'm still not the right person to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So I'd like to end with these uh, two passages. The first one in Acts 4.13. When they observed Peter and John, fishermen, what did they notice? What did they notice? Huh? Ano sa Tagalog ang confidence? May kumpiyansa, no? Hindi yabang, ha? May kumpiyansa sila. Breadcom, people, I pray that for the sake of the gospel, nobody in Breadcom will be shy. That when people look at us, people will see in us confidence. Hindi yabang, ha? Hindi proud. Hindi pride. Kasi yung iba, mayabang, eh. Pero dapat may kumpiyansa tayo. Eh, paano tayo magkukumpiyansa? Di ba mga may kumpiyansa lang yung mga educated? No, no, no. Look at how Peter and John were described. They were? They were? They did not reach college. But most of us here have finished college. And many of you are still doing college. And some even have post-college degrees. Tapos, we are not confident. You know, that's the work of Satan. He is, he is pulling rug under our feet. Second characteristic of Peter and John, aside from uneducated, they were untrained. Sorry, ah. The Greek word in untrained is idiotes. Idiots. The word for uneducated is Agramatoy, agramar, no grammar. Idiots. How can uneducated people and idiots have confidence? Look at the next statement. They were amazed themselves and they began to recognize them as that's the only requirement, having been with Jesus. Having been with Jesus. The tragedy in our world today is many of us are well-educated. Many of us even are rich. But we are shy. We are not confident in sharing Jesus to others. Oh, I pray that starting today, when we talk about Jesus, we will talk with confidence. Indeed, how will you convince people if you yourself is not convinced about your product? No? If you are a car salesman and you are selling, say, Honda or Isuzu, but you are driving Toyota, there is a problem there. These men were ordinary. They were even described in the Bible as weak and they had failures. But you know the primary characteristic of these men? They were with Jesus. They were with Jesus. And let me end with where we started. But Pastor, talagang mahiyain ako eh. We started with Luke 4.14 and look at the description of Jesus. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The preaching of the gospel, the living out of the gospel, the sharing of the gospel is not done in human intelligence and human abilities. They should be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit who will give not only boldness to us, He will give fruitfulness to the message of the kingdom. Oh, I pray that all of us will have a fresh experience not only of the presence but of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Our God, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that 
while many churches are being lulled to sleep and to be too comfortable, Lord, you have reminded us today that we should not be or else the light of the gospel in us will be put off. Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus that you have spoken to each person in this room this afternoon and that by your grace we will resolve to go out to our friends, to our family members, to our office mates and share to them both in life and by lips that Jesus has truly transformed our lives. Lord, grant renewal in our passion for the lost. Grant us love for the lost. Grant us love again for our family members who are not yet born again. For our friends, O oh Lord, who are not yet born again. And we pray, Lord, that in the days to come, you will open doors so that when we share to them the gospel, the Holy Spirit, who is our partner, will manifest his presence and will plant the kingdom of God in the hearts and minds of those people. O oh God, revive, renew our church again. This is our prayer with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.